Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans. 30% of Americans who are planning home improvements of $5,000 or more will pay for those renovations with a high-interest credit card. That may not be a great idea. A better idea may be to take cash out of your home with a Quicken Loans 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. The rate today on our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 4.5%, APR 4.78%. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Rate subject to change. Pay 2% fee to receive this discounted rate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 30. You're listening to a Castaway Media Podcast. Find more great shows at castaway.media or find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash castaway podcasts. Welcome to Series 2 of Fair Game. I'm Emily Glenn. And I'm Elaine Buckley. If you're joining us for the first time, make sure to check out our archive of episodes on our website. The address is castaway.media forward slash fair game. Also, make sure to give us a follow on Twitter. Our username is at fairgamecast, where we provide a constant stream of updates on everything that's happening in women's sports, both at home and abroad. Before we kick off with the first episode, we need something from you. If you could share an episode of Fair Game that you've enjoyed in the past, or indeed this episode when you finish listening to it, that'd be a big help in spreading the word. Also, subscribe and review on iTunes and tweet us to let us know who you'd like to hear interviewed on the podcast in the future. And so we begin the first episode. The Gaelic Football and Camogie Championships are all wrapped up. The Cork Ladies lifted the Brendan Martin Cup and Kilkenny ended a 22-year wait to bring home the O'Duffy Cup. But what are the main takeaways from the season that was? We're joined now by Tyrone Football Powerhouse Gemma Begley and Wexford Camogie legend Kate Kelly, two all-stars in their fields who are now channeling their vast experience on the pitch to represent the interests of inter-county players off it through their work on the executive team of the WGPA. Kate and Gemma, you're very welcome to Fair Game. Hello. Hi. So let's start, let's start at the end of the season and work backwards. Um, we ended, as, as we mentioned there, Cork Ladies lifted the Brenda Martin Cup for the 11th time in 10 years. As a dub, it absolutely pains me to acknowledge that. <laughs> and um, yeah, Kil- Kilkenny uh, winning the Camogie Championships. For yourselves, what were, what were kind of the standout matches of, of the season? What were the main takeaways from the two seasons? Yeah, well, from a Camogie point of view, I think the semi-finals definitely had to be up there with kind of drama, like first year with the semi-finals being televised, which was a big thing for the Camogie, and both of them going to replays, or go, sorry, extra time, which I think added to the drama, like the championship was quite close, and that really epitomised how close it was. Um, and I suppose a highlight for uh, on the Camogie front, Kilkenny ending a 22-year wait to bring the cup back to Kilkenny was a big thing for for Kilkenny and getting them back to the top again. Like it's a long time in in the Harlan County of Kilkenny, so yeah, very positive for them. Mm-hmm. You could like you could feel it on the day in Croke Park, just mm-hmm. the celebrations when that final whistle went. Um, it's just amazing scenes to to to, to see um, on, on the day of the final. Uh, what about yourself, Gemma, from the football season? What were your main kind of... Yeah, I'd say it was probably the best um, championship in a, in a few years now. It just it seemed to be every game was won by one or two points. Like There was drama on every game. Um, the Dublin Mayo uh, semi-final with Sinead Ahern kicking the last one it's um, winner. Um, it was, I suppose it was well teed up from the start, the championship with Cork. like There was a big question around could they, they do the business after Eamon Ryan? And they certainly showed that, I suppose, in the end. Like, it was fairly convincing. Um, 
but I think even throughout the championship, like even in Ulster, the first day, probably the first game I went to see was uh, Armagh playing against Monaghan, and everybody's expecting Armagh to turn up and probably beat them off the pitch because Monaghan had struggled in the league and were a slightly depleted squad, but um, Monaghan turned up, I suppose, and, and just blew them away, and it was exceptional. You could see just from the off how good they were, and they were they were one of the success stories uh, of the year. They got right to the semi-final as well, and. Um, I think it was just a great championship all round. Um, even the intermediate final as well um, was exceptional. Clare probably kicking themselves at this stage with all the missed chances, but it was great for the drama. Um, so all in all, it was a great championship. And what about individual stars of the season? Individual stars. Yeah, like who uh, do you think like carried or maybe met your expectations? <coughs> who didn't you see coming? Like who? Um, yeah. For myself, just going back to that game, so it was our our man Monaghan. Um, Kieran McInnesby's performance that day was my standout individual performance of the year um, probably just the last week or so I've been reflecting on the All-Stars like I thought Neve McAvoy was brilliant and she's not nominated for an All-Star was probably one of the big surprises and Neve O'Day was maybe the other one that stood out as well um, I'd say Breed Stacks probably in the, the front running for Player of the Year in my opinion anyway um, she was just exceptional like against I think it was against Mayo she made a few charging runs out the pitch and created so many openings for them and she's just exceptional all year so mm. that would be it and what about in the Camogie? Yeah, I, I suppose there was a number of players kind of stood out. Um, Kilkenny, the likes of Denise Gall had a great year. The Farrell sisters were outstanding with Kilkenny this year. And um, I suppose um, Anne Dalton going back to centre-back kind of really steadied their performance in ship. So Kilkenny had a good few kind of standout performances during the year. Um, the likes of Galway, that Neve Kilkenny still stood up and unfortunately didn't get over the line. And... Um, uh, from a Cork point of view, you'd have to say the big names really stood up again, the likes of Gemma O'Connor, although I know the final wasn't her, her best, but I suppose semi-final, she really got them over the line, Orla Cotter and uh, and Ashley Thompson midfield was really, but maybe like the teams like Tipperary and Neve Mulcahy for Kilkenny or for Limerick was also like exceptional this year, every game she was scoring like one nine ten one fourteen like and her performances during the year were really exceptional and Tip had a number of players like that as well which really shows that like those teams are really picking up now and really adding to the championship as well it's not just you know the four expected teams you'd, you'd be expecting those teams to really come forward in the next couple of years so mm-hmm. it's kind of exciting you know looking forward to the next couple of years championship that there's there's really potential there for those teams that have come through the intermediate junior that will really push on the senior teams as well it's interesting when we look back at uh, at the league form as well, which just carried straight through, straight through the champions. We, we we mentioned Cork there, and they had uh, questions to answer after Eamon Ryan left, and they kind of answered them in that league final against Mayo in in Parnell Park. Like we were there watching it, it was a very tight game until when they just decided to pull away and they got the the, the three point gap, yeah. and they they won the league again that night. And it was it was uh, I think everyone was expecting right this is when Mayo are, are going to put their stamp on it and make themselves favourites for for a championship yeah, but yeah. again they just answer those questions in the most emphatic fashion it's the Cork I just don't know what it is it seems to be a different person stands up every day like in the final you could say it was Dorian Sullivan that stood up and kicked three points whatever in the semi-final it was Breach Corkery was stand up kicking exceptional points that you wouldn't expect her to score like it's just something in the culture. I don't. I don't know what it is, but you don't know. Sort of on any given day, any of them are capable of of stepping up. And 
um, and doing the, doing the business for them, and that's an absolute tribute to Eamon Ryan too. Like he's just built that culture in them to 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 be able to do that, and it's a tribute to them, and and it's it's probably great for them to to see that carrying on. Mm-hmm. They kind of like have an, a team of exceptional, like they they have a lot of leaders on one team, yeah. and you know maybe it'll carry through and they'll they'll push it to the younger players, but you'd have to say that group of players there's such an amount yeah. of leaders within the team it's, it's as Gemma yeah. said any one of them can step up it seems like even as as players retire it's like you see someone like Valerie Mulcahy retires and then you see Emer Scali coming up yeah. through the ranks yeah. it's just like again as a dub it's terrifying um, <laughs> I suppose they have maybe a little bit of winner's confidence there as well yeah, they're just like pushing on so yeah. as you say like for Dublin you just just the heart would break for them like it's Whatever three in a row like I don't know what more they have to do to to get over the line but even I suppose going back to leader stepping up like Mayo only lost the, the league final by a point was it I think and yeah, the yeah. semi-final by a point like do you know what the core does carry so much responsibility on that team like it's it's probably up to the rest of the players at this stage they're so close and it's up to a couple of the others to stand up and take that bit of responsibility as well and, and do that extra one or two percent for them mm-hmm. so and um, Kilkenny as well in the Camogie they, like they claimed the league title as well and, and that, that carried through they went on and won the championship as well but like as players how, how important is the, is the league season kind of about kind of getting it right and moving forward to championship or like it's, it's a lot it's a long season um, you know you might go back to pre-season in November and then league yeah. matches starting in January February like it, it being such such a long season from a player's perspective, how do you kind of counter the risk of burnout and kind of keep the momentum going for that long? Uh, <laughs> well, I think a lot of teams um, kind of use it as your your preparation, and if you do well in it, it's great because it it gives you that um, springboard and kind of platform of confidence. And I think that might have stood to Kilkenny this year. Um, I suppose maybe their blip was in the Leinster Championship where they were beaten in the semi-final and, and then they were only beaten once more after that in the Championship so maybe it works as kind of a platform to try out their panel players you know kind of settle a team see how players are going and like if you win it you do come into the Championship with that you know extra bit of confidence and you know belief that you can you can get there and and it is the form has been over the last number of years that the teams that have come through in the semi-final finals of the league are the teams that are kind of knocking on the door and winning the, the championship so yeah it's a long season but you do a lot of your groundwork then and then the summer is more sharpening and, and getting ready for the games and kind of keeping injury free but it is very much about building your panel yeah. I think it is it's very much supposed getting to know the new girls on the team and, and sort of building and getting to know their best positions and your best 15 and that I suppose too you have to consider that time of year uh, colleges are still playing schools are still playing it's it's a bit disrupted, I suppose you could call it. It's really only whenever you get into the championship that you properly get everybody together. Like I know you'd have heard, I suppose, for a few years Quark probably didn't do very much training during the league, which is an absolute luxury. Like if any mm-hmm. team could go and do that, so they would sail through the league and get to know their best team and then give it hell for leather, I suppose, come April, May time. But um I do think it's some management responsibility to manage players individually too. Like you can't be flogging a player that's playing college and then going every night of the week like between gym and out and pitch sessions like they'll have no interest come June July time they'll be they'll be dead on their feet by that stage so I do think and it's definitely becoming you would like to think that managers are becoming more aware of it and I suppose as I say manage on an individual basis but um, it really is what's needed I think to get players in peak form for hopefully August and September time and Jill Stars have it 
kind of particularly tough, not least because they have like conflicting schedules, but they presumably also have like conflicting training schedules then, or like maybe doubled up, you know, training mm-hmm. schedules. Um, and we saw like with the Camogie final, so some of the intermediate players for Cork then togged out for senior and they lost, the, the intermediates lost for Cork. And I, I mean, I it struck me on the day, like how do you not bring that with you? Like how do you keep your head in the game do you know what I mean and it, maybe more so or maybe that's more pronounced for jail stars mm-hmm. like because you have to manage two star like two, two different sports mm-hmm. all of the time so like how do you how do you yeah how do you keep the mental focus silence I suppose like, <laughs> well I wouldn't have no experience of it myself um, but I suppose I was funny I was just reading it um, during the week there about Slot Neil uh, football and hurlers are doing so much uh, good stuff winning around them up in Ulster but they were sort of saying that uh, the two managers sit down together with someone else who's independent and they just agree on everything at the start of the year. So the footballers only train the week before they're playing, effectively, in the, whichever sport they're playing in. And like that's that's probably the wisest thing to do, I suppose, for anybody that's new to it. But if you talk to Breach or Rainer or anyone, they, just, they, just, they don't know anything else. Like they, they, I suppose they might take one night off training uh, whatever week there's a big game coming up or that. But... I suppose it's it's sort of dying out. When I was just, I was just looking during the week, we have something like seven percent membership that's dual players, um, and I think the men are next to nothing at the minute. Like it's so it's so much higher in the the girls game, but in a way it's sort of needed. I know it's like the there's so much I suppose affiliation to the club. We're going back and doing the club training and, and helping out keeping the club even even going um, at that stage. So in a way, it's for some people it's just like a duty. It's just what you do. Um, and then uh, for others, they just have never known anything else, I suppose, and they just mm. get on with it. But I would say there'll not be much more of that for much longer, to be honest. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. a big commitment. And like the Slot Nail um, example is probably the ideal situation, but it's not the form, mm. I think. And Rena and Breege, I suppose, they've been reaping all the rewards of it. So it's probably easier for them to keep going. Like, but like when I did both I found it at the time like one was a great break from another and you were young enough you didn't know any different like you played one game on a Saturday and another on a Sunday but realistically you're not given your best performance in someone is suffering and mm-hmm. if, if not both because it's taking you so long to recover and like the demands on the fixtures and fitting in the amount of games that are there it like it doesn't yeah. it's not really conducive to dual players as much anymore and it is very tough to manage that without a doubt so like I suppose you'd have to be a strong character to maybe push through and do it, um, and and probably shows why there's less, yeah. you know, like only seven percent at the minute playing both. But but yeah, it's, it's but definitely a, a challenge. Pure admiration, like for the ones that do without it. Without doubt, even, yeah. even sort of makes you think of Carolina Holland playing netball over in in England or Scotland, I think it is this year. But like to be playing on a Friday night and then flying home on well, some nights on a Saturday night and then flying home and playing on the Sunday, it was just. Like you be doing everything you can your own powers to be as well rested and well looked after as yourself and I mean they're going out leaving everything on a pitch on a Saturday and then going back on a Sunday it's just just unreal like it's incredible what they do really mm-hmm. this is, it's a serious commitment yeah. without a doubt and well, the choices they make to do it for yeah. both is, is serious you know commitment yeah. and it's like you say like for the likes of say Rena and Breeze as, as the, the peak examples of it like it's just what they do it's just yeah. their lives. they probably think it's strange that I'll sit yeah. in of an evening and watch the Great British Bake Off or something <laughs> <laughs> like, that's, that's what I do <laughs> um, but yeah it do, the, the, the dual the star issue does raise a lot of player welfare yeah. issues like yeah. it really does highlight them and player welfare is something that is at the absolute core 
of the WGPA to kind of highlight and work at combating those issues. Can you take us back to kind of the foundation of the WGPA when, like, the big launch in January 2015? But before that, how it how did it actually come about? Um, I think Ethan Lane would be the best place to tell you about this, but uh, it was at a Camogie All Stars. Uh, I think Don Rogue right, yeah. was book. down at it, and uh, Ethan was obviously along at it, and he was just challenging people and why you're not doing this for yourselves. Simple as that. And Ethan was the one, I suppose, that took the responsibility and took on the project and decided it was going to happen and went to meet the GPA initially. Um, there was probably a year of planning and talking and meeting and consulting went into it before. Uh, any sort of launch was even talked about to be honest um, and then there was I suppose after the initial meeting then there was a few player meetings um, there was good reception to that there was a good crowd went along um, and then probably it got to about six months later and there was I suppose a handful of us that sort of had to take the lead on it um, and it worked out well there's three ladies football three Komogi players and then Aoife was well positioned I suppose to be the, the boss of it all <laughs> so uh, then um, yeah, we just, I suppose it was initially decided that we'd be our own entity. Um, it would have been very easy just to fit in under the GPA and uh, dovetail, I suppose, to what all they were doing, but it's just such a different context to what we're dealing in. Like, like it's the simple things and the basic things we have to get right, I suppose, and stand on our own two feet um, on them issues before, before, I suppose, you'd even move into the same context of basically what the GPA are at. And um, So then we got to January of 2015, uh, yep. eventually and got launched then and to be honest things moved a lot quicker than we had even expected um, things I think sto- doors just started opening I suppose whenever you start asking questions and asking for support and um, pushing the agenda so yeah and it was like the players kind of came in behind it very mm-hmm. quickly as well and were very positive towards it like maybe the GPA broke ground on it years before what they had to go through but I think it was very receptive from the players and the players really just wanted to make standards a bit better and make things better for players and, and that's really kind of what was pushing it along a lot as well. Um, yeah, it was. It, 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 it's so easy to see. Like we probably had something like, I think, about 90% membership within about six months of what wow, we could wow. we could get. So it was just... And I mean, it was great work from the reps too. Like it was... The way we work it is there's sort of two designated people within each county that we would keep in contact with on a regular basis and they sort of communicate with the rest of the squad about what we're all up to so they went chasing people initially um, but even the first I suppose we'll have a reps day where we bring all them people together and there was there was a great crowd at that last year and that's the best bit I suppose everything you do with the players bringing players together and, and just hearing the, the dialogue and the interactions they have it's yeah and I think the, the players have great appetite to just you know, really promote the game and get it out there and do things to make it better and like Gem would be best to say but like any promotion or any kind of campaign that she's running like players are you know only too eager to help and, and go along with it and there there really is a huge appetite there to get the game out there promoted and get like better conditions for women and, and kind of get that equality and kind of you know like promotion around the game for women that's an incredible yeah. amount of support like 90% within the first six months yeah. it seems though that you guys kind of got that level of support or or maybe kind of captured that and then got some funding you know what I mean like so you've had a huge amount of like what was it like a, a, a million there recently yeah yeah for like split evenly between the sports like what does it mean for the sport because it was already like I'm not saying there's not more to do do you yeah, know what I mean yeah, like yeah, yeah. but 
it it just came maybe a little bit later than yeah. maybe people would have liked, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know whether it's really been pushed for before, but like, well, we initially would have had the DPA would have supported us in, in terms of actually setting up <clears throat> the government grants. Probably talked about them for a good year, I suppose, before even um, a, a formal agreement was made. Um, it's probably the brainchild of Deirdre Murphy who gave her the credit for that, and and Aoife had done so much work on it too. And um, I mean, it's 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 the way it's broken down. It's a million euro um, committed to ladies football and camogie players over two years, so it's half a million a year. And each inter county squad will get uh, a portion of that. Um, I think it's roughly thousand something I guess. Um, to spend on um, three very specific things, like it's not it's not just willy nilly for sort of pitches sure. and, and getting that. Um, it's for injury prevention and medical cover. Uh, it's for maximising player and team performance, which is like strength and conditioning programs and sort of coaching and performance analysis, um, sports nutrition, that sort of stuff. And then there's a small bit of it ring fence for like specialist training facilities, so the likes of I suppose um, floodlights and gyms and that sort of thing. So. Um, but it, it was, I suppose, getting ourselves established and, I suppose, credible, like mm. to even approach that and make a case for it. Um, there had we obviously had to show that we had a mandate for existing and a rationale. Um, I think we'd probably been well established by that stage before we had got the government funding agreed. But it was a great collaboration too with Ladies Football and Camogie because that would be one of our, I suppose, our key things would be working in collaboration with people. Um, and to be able to work on them, like ladies football and camogie are, are sort of we're all intertwined in it. Um, so it's it's a great collaboration with them too. It seems to bring like players speaking out about issues. Like I I think the vast majority don't actually realise how much inequality there is com- compared to the men's game. So when you have someone like like Sarah Rowe early this year and she did that big interview feature interview in in the Independent, which really really gained legs. Like and, and a lot of people were talking about it. Um, but as you mentioned earlier, Gemma, the kind of the fundamental kind of things, like like that that money will now go towards, like it's it, what kind of a difference does it make, to, like to the player day to day? I think it's huge for the player. Like it's it's a step above. Like um, the ladies' top players in each county, they have a huge willingness to be as professional as they can can and just to put those supports there for them like injury prevention is a big thing for a lot of teams it's nearly the last thing you know like you're, you're trying to get team squads together buses and kind of the basics covered first and that's not always the first thing that's covered for the teams so like covering those three things and adding to what they currently have is a huge improvement for every county team and I've no doubt that the money will go a long way to helping girls achieve being better like equipped and being more prepared for the games when it comes around because like, players are, are more and more wanting to get in, wanting to do programmes to improve their own performance, to make themselves fitter, mm-hmm. to stop you know, kind of injuries like they they just have a huge appetite to learn you know in, mm. injury prevention and you know strength and conditioning and things like that and now to be able to give them th- those supports things that wouldn't have been paid for before is kind of huge and hopefully like they'll build on that and hopefully in a couple of years you'll get a little bit more and they'll be able to build on that some more mm. so from a player point of view it, it's huge for every county county team if it's put to the kind of to the areas that it, it's intended to and it came at a time when there was I mean, like there was, it's fairly much peak participation among both codes, right? So, like, do you, do you think that it will attract more people to the sport, more women to the sports? 
that's ultimately what you'd yeah. hope anyway when you see better conditions as well and people getting better looked after and ultimately better experiences they'll go back and I suppose talk better about it to whoever they're talking to but um, undoubtedly like it would, it would encourage more you'd hope more young girls like the next three to five years or so like to definitely step up well if you think that every player top player in both codes in every county or counties having a better experience they're your role models that are going back to clubs and they're going back to every corner club community in the country and mm-hmm. they're speaking of a positive experience yeah I think it can only have a positive filter all the way down and you'd like to think that's definitely going to bring more players to play um, so yeah I, I think it, it can only be a positive thing it can it can help improve players experience yeah. and that was, that was a big part of it as much as much as it was about the financial like it was a, it was so much more about the recognition too the, girl, the fact that these girls are rec- recognised as elite athletes um, and given government recognition and for their contribution I suppose to their own sports and to I suppose wider Irish society like that's that's hopefully going to paint a better picture in, in society that, that where these girls sit mm-hmm. and the WGPA have had some really uh, brilliant campaigns kind of off the pitch as well like say the behind the player campaign and and those kind of things are, are those as as big of a priority kind of highlighting the issues that that affect players off the pitch as well um well I suppose there was three main the three main things that we've worked on from the start it would have been issues on the pitch uh issues off the pitch oh, sorry not issues but improving things on the pitch improving things off the pitch and promoting the sports and the role models um, and that, it is a big part of it too because um, that's that's tap, taps into an awful lot of the funding and the potential sponsors and the coverage um, you have to be like as we were saying how do you get people to go to games how do you raise attendance figures like you have to create an affinity with the player and with the team like people aren't we were talking about this earlier players aren't just going to go to or sorry people aren't just going to go to games because you're from that county like you have to know the player and you go to support your own club within Gaelic. You go to support your own club because it's your club, and you feel like a belonging to it, and you feel like you know the players, and you really, really are behind your own team. And I mean, that's a big part of what the behind the player was all about. Like, there's a person, they have a story, they're interesting, they have all this going on off the pitch, and when you step on the pitch, like that might register with you. Like, you back this player because it's like you want to see them doing well on the pitch too. If something's happening off the pitch or whatever it is. And it's it is just about creating that was that affinity with mm-hmm. personalities, the, the, those interests, yeah. yeah. Without, without, and it, it shows the the challenges they have to to go through to get to yeah. play the game and get in good shape for performing at the top. So yeah, definitely without doubt, I think yeah. those kind of um, campaigns are adding to the interest and hopefully have knock on effects in terms of people as. If, as Gemma said, mm-hmm. having an affinity and, and getting an interest in backing the players and starting to get out to support them, they're very powerful. Like just for, as as observers of them, like your one case was, was brilliant. Like even just kind of seeing your family talking about it at home and seeing you know your all stars on the mantelpiece and like the photos from two thousand seven. I mean, like that kind of stuff really, like it does really re- really resonate yeah. when you're watching mm-hmm. it. Uh, Laura Walsh's one was brilliant as well. Yeah, and um, they're just they really really. Uh, they're just really powerful, like yeah. so. Keep them up. I uh, thought Laura's was was brilliant. Nice, was was brilliant. Um, just talking about it, she was doing a she done a bit at the GA Health and Wellbeing Conference there at the weekend, um, as well. So she's a great role model. Those campaigns and you know, like creating that that affinity, it disrupts this pattern, right? Where that's always, I think, kind of scapegoated, where there's a lack of promotion of the player and the sport. So you know, fans of a sport can't get that affinity, right? So like those those campaigns are brilliant because they 
they disrupt that. But that that relationship between bums on seats, lack of funding and lack of platform for promotion of the sports and the players, like the lack of media coverage, the lack of you know, attention in the media and the lack of then quality media rather than, you know, just reproducing, you know, match reports. Like, they're always scapegoated for the underdevelopment of women's sports. That, like, terrible trifecta. It's like the self-reinforcing circle. And you have to you have to do something yeah. to try and interrupt Change that, it. right? Which, yeah. uh, which is why those campaigns are, are so important and so successful. So let's chat about those three things. Yeah, because both Camogie and football have kind of booked that trend of kind of the traditional scapegoats of sponsorship, media coverage and attendance figures. Like both codes have had gains on all three counts in, in the in the past in the past season or two in particular. So I suppose like to kind of give them give them proper attention to just talk through them individually. And I think that the first one, the one that's resonated most with a lot of people in the past year has been sponsorship. Um we all remember the Lady Ball. Uh, and that when when that was announced, and first of all, the the Gemma's just shaking her fist. <laughs> the outrage that resulted from that, and then it was revealed that oh, Little are the sponsor, and it was like, well, can they put their money where their mouth is? Like, why did they use all that money? I was very negative about the Lady Ball campaign, but they have completely shut me up with the the support they they've shown for the game throughout the season, and likewise, Liberty Insurance continue to be real champions of, of, of Camogie and, and supporting Camogie. Again, kind of from a player perspective, what, what impact does that kind of high-profile backing have for, te- for players and for teams? I, I, I think, I suppose it puts it out there and it, it highlights it a lot more, as you say, the, the little campaign, like it's been on every billboard, it's had huge media publicity during the year. Like, it's like chipping away at it and every year it seems to improve that bit more and the more it's in people's faces I think the more interest you're going to get the more people are aware of it so like I think like it's something that you're going to like the women's sport are genuinely just going to have to keep chipping away on and keep improving and you know upping the bar every year and making people appreciate that this is where we should be putting our sponsorship into and it's definitely you know value for money um but yeah, I, I, they're they're so important in terms of getting the publicity out there. Like Liberty this year, before the Camogie, there was a four four page spread on the Independent, like which was like brilliant coverage um, before their All Irelands and their games. So, like you kind of have to be consistent, consistent with these all the way through. And I think you've seen that in this year's. So if they can layer that on next year and the year after. Like that's the way the the game is going to improve. That's the way you're going to get people more bums on seats, as you say, and getting the interest up. And like it's a slow process, but they've made the steps in the right direction. Like you've seen, both All Ireland's attendances were up, um, and the interest across most of the games, like the semi-finals of the Camogie, were televised. So, like they're the steps they need to be taken to start getting those bums on seats. And like if they keep pushing on these campaigns and getting another sponsor or two on board next year and learn it more like we can only see improvements I know it's little by little but it is huge steps yeah I think actually um, TG4 sponsorship with ladies football has just been incredible like when you consider there's probably 600,000 I think was the most that watched the ladies final maybe a couple of years ago but that's probably ties into two of them the people just actually seeing the games and having a fun day with the players and um, I mean they cover so many games um, must be 12 or 13 years now ladies or TG4 are with them um, I, th- I think they've just done an absolutely exceptional job I suppose in raising the profile but obviously from last year um, 
you can't argue with what Lille have done for the profile ladies football, like the billboards and TV ads and radio ads and that. Um, you might have had some issue around the, the lady ball bit of it, but um, I suppose it's... Uh, if it was have to, had to be taken along with what came after mm-hmm. as well, then you could you could see I suppose why it happened. But um, there's always a better way, like to use it. Doing it. It's it's filtering right down to kind of grassroots level as well. Like just today, we had someone a, a school in Terranier tweet the podcast like a picture of uh, their school team in completely new kit and um, with the little sponsorship yeah. on it. So it's just really nice to see that it's not just you know putting Sinead Goldrick and Breach Corpry yeah. on billboards out in Drumcondra, but it's 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 actually filtering right right down yeah. to, to grassroots level. You know, you did mention that TG Cahar have shown the Gaelic Football Championships on TV for, for, what, 12 or 13 years, but for the first time, the Camogie semi-final was staged, or was broadcast on RT Sport. The quantity of broadcast, oh, of coverage in broadcast and, and print and radio and online is growing, but... And also the the moderators, so the panelists on on the pundits on on the shows afterwards. Um, the the word escaped me there for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> pundits is the word I'm looking for. Like uh, female representation on those have grown. What do you think that makes a difference to the quality? Um, like I really appreciated after watching some of the games, hearing ex players talk about it, mm. and it, especially in the, even in the rugby actually I really liked hearing Fiona Coughlin talk about the players yeah. and I really yeah, it's a different level of familiarity that you get an insight to, right? Mm-hmm. It's like on like on Camogie All-Ireland Day and like we, we were in Croke Park but at, at home uh, people are watching it on TV and you've got Anna Geary and Elaine Aylward and Jill Horan in studio and it's like it's like Again, that's just raising the profile of retired players, but who who are now being given a much bigger fl- platform to kind of offer their offer their analysis on on the game. And it's it's um do you are, like do you think that it could go even further for Camogie, Kate? That it could that they'll maybe next year they'll show the quarterfinals or the first round of a championship. Would yeah, be? I I think they need to definitely look at that. Like whether it's streaming the games or whether they need to look at Irish TV or other methods of getting it out there. But yeah. I think yeah it definitely needs to pick up that's what you need to do put it out there put it in front of people use your role models and ambassadors the la- you know the ladies to do that um, the likes of Jill and Anna on those um, being, pre- being the presenters on the shows like it's it's our game and that's what you need to promote and I think they need to look at more ways of getting the game out there, whether that is streaming, whether they can get more coverage, you definitely should look at. Um, they have the league final, the semis, and um, and I suppose there is a lot more really, really good games on during the year that would be, I think, you know, well appreciated by the general public if they were televised more during the year. Mm-hmm. And the viewing yeah. figures are there. Like, the Camogie final got 328,000 viewers like yeah. at its peak. Like, that's huge yeah. like I work in television like it's it's huge huge viewing figures and like the football final this year had half a million yeah. um, and it has peaked at around 600,000 so like there's the audience is there mm. I think well probably would have talked about this before too that the ladies football the provincial finals are usually for the best games you get all year like and I definitely think they're missing a trick there whether it's streaming it or whether it's with TG4 or whatever but they should definitely be covering like they're some of the best games and Irish TV covered the Camogie Monster, Monster final, final yeah, which is 
It's brilliant. Early in the year, it was a great like, game, really, really you know, good game. Just again, a bit of innovation, I suppose, that's required and try something new. Mm-hmm. I suppose when Irish TV covered it, it, there was a lack of awareness that it was on. So if they get it out, they need to make sure to publicise around it. But there is definitely more avenues to, and and ways to start getting the game out there. And the more they do that, the more they'll start getting on the prime times and on the prime mm-hmm. channels. So they have to use yeah. any kind of, uh, you know idea to get it out there and then push it on to the prime stations uh, and you and can't the really argue with them viewing figures either like it's not like you're going mm. to TV and begging off them it's yeah. Yeah. we're bringing something that's going to be watched here tell you that's why Lady Ball is such a I think like such a memorable issue because everybody had an opinion on Lady Ball it's not on like outrage in, lady, in uh, women's sports as, as uh, love and outrage channel it into going to yeah. a game as Sinead Kassan said in our first ever episode she just had this glorious rant about how people got so annoyed about that and how many were you going to see then actually going to a game Um, yeah people people certainly love an an outrage however there there have been again in the past year significant gains in um, attendance figures for for both codes in terms of kind of the the showpiece of of the All-Ireland final days um, the Camogie final was just over 20,000 a 25% increase in last year like that's again huge 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 increase and the football final broke its own record for being the uh, the most attended women's sport event in Europe, and um, so support is on the up as well. But how do you think can that kind of continually be built upon? Again, looking forward to next year. Like let's yeah. have both records beaten again. I think it's just be as well to suppose, give Camogie their due, like um, especially with the four counties. I'm stealing this off Kate because we were talking about it earlier. <laughs> but with uh, with suppose it was only suppose four counties represented on finals day, like so it was all the more exceptional that the that done such gains, um, but it's probably just sustainability too. It's it's not doing something for a year and then letting it drop off for a year or two, and um, having the right strategic plan in place, I suppose, um, and the right rationale for doing these things. Um, as you say, there's obviously clearly demonstrated market there. Um, you know, people are are keen to watch it, and um, I think a lot of the work, sorry, a lot of the stuff around um, building a fundy with players and storytelling. Um, I think that really does translate and uh, I know there's, there's an awful lot of rhetoric around women supporting women like I probably personally would have slightly different slant on it like um, it was obviously my dad first ever got me interested in Gaelic and I would say it would be like you think the amount of men playing sports and watching sports and going and to involved. sports mm-hmm. um, getting their daughters and nieces or whatever else involved um, they have a big role to play too um, so I think it's just it's just keep at it like there's so much good work going on at the minute and you, you kind of need to keep constantly reminding yourself about that too like it will you would hope it would translate um, because women in sport such a hot topic at the minute so just as opposed to keep building on it and, and keep doing the right things that's really and interesting that you say that sorry but uh, there was an article recently that, that did exactly like you've just said that you have an issue with you know calling on women to support women's sports and I it kind of like it <sighs> It just doesn't sit well with me, right? Because okay. I feel like that does a disservice to the game in some way. Now, that's not, I think, what the author was saying, but it just... Like, people go out there to play those sports, they're athletes, yeah. you know, and it shouldn't necessarily be a, OK, well, the gals are playing, so let's go out and, and support them. Like, I feel like if you're a fan of the sport, you should be a fan of the whole sport rather than just saying I'm a fan of the men's sport do you know what I mean and not going to the women's yep. game like I think I, and I actually think the media coverage an increase in media coverage will really 
you know, break down some of those boundaries because I, I think if you can't see it, you can't be a fan of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, 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 yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't think it's necessarily just about getting women to go to matches, although that's a massive part of it. But I think it's about, you know, showing it that this is actually like an incredible sport. Like yeah. it's without yeah. doubt. Yeah. And it's the same, like people having their calendars every year that they go to the Hurling All Ireland. Mm. Like that's what you want people to do, that it becomes something that they support every year, that it's 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 like people like every club in, in the country, people go from every club to support the men's All Ireland's every year. Like that should filter down in the ladies as well and it like both men and women it shouldn't make a difference but they're the kind of things that you need to make it to keep pushing on on your attendance on All Ireland Day and making that a bigger occasion for the women playing. Mm-hmm. And it's it's interesting. Like I watched uh, the the football All Ireland final. I was actually down in Cork for it, down in the wilds of West Cork. And um, after after a wedding, I missed a day in, in Croker. But like we were in this pub in Ballydehaw watching it, and a gang of lads came in <coughs> to watch the final, which like which I I thought like was really yeah. quite unusual like I would I would always I, I would almost expect it to be like a, a gang of women to come in and watch it and likewise my friends who I had made comfortable early to watch the final and um, they were all glued to it I think if you just have to see it once like I know that yeah. next year they're going to be looking to go to, to championship yeah. matches to, to see the, the Dublin women's team so it's just a case of if, if, if people could go and watch it once I think they'd be absolutely hooked yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and uh, one opportunity which would give people, I suppose, the chance to see the games is, is double headers. Now we've had kind of a, a few high-profile ones, like say the All Ireland Camogie semi-finals this year. Kate, you would have played in Semple Stadium, which actually ended up being a triple header. Yeah. Um, do you think that that kind of opens up the game to more people, or say if Camogie matches were to be played on the same day as hurling matches more often, like do you think it's do you think it makes a difference? Yeah, definitely. I, and I definitely think it helps raise the profile and it gets. Um, but like as you said like if you're a supporter of the game you're a supporter of it whether it's men or women so if you're supporting Wexford and the Wexford Camogie team are playing before the Wexford Harland team or vice versa of course your genuine GAA Harland fans are going to go to both games and yeah without a doubt I do think it helps the game and I was saying to Gemma earlier that like in order to in- keep increasing that attendance from 20,000 all the way up to 80 they do have to keep coming up with novel ways to break it up and try and get more people in there maybe um, I, I don't know but like you, you do have to look at ways of uh, of getting that game out there and publicised more and one of one of the big ones is definitely double headers before the men's game and mm-hmm. especially when they're televised like like it's easier then to push on for more te- television space and more television time for our games yeah and some, sometimes there's just like last year I just felt there was a golden opportunity missed with them um, when the Dublin men's team went to a replay with with Mayo in the All-Ireland semi-final and the replay was scheduled for Saturday evening at five o'clock in Crow Park down the road in Parnell Park you had Dublin playing Armagh in the women's championship semi-final and you know there was calls for it at the time and like even some high profile pundits were like tweeting about it like you know play the match before it in Croke Park and the obstacle that got in the way was that the hurling final was the next day and they didn't the pitch whatever wasn't up wasn't up to the 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 extra there's probably another ladies football game on before the it it was if there was there was calls for it for the Dublin the Dublin Ladies semi-final to be moved to Croke Park and you know put it in front of the 70-80 thousand yeah. fans that were going to be there 
but um, unfortunately it, it, it wasn't possible due to the scheduling of the hurling final the next day but you're going to do hopefully hopefully in time um, in time those kind of opportunities will be able to be yeah. seized definitely makes sense and I mean there's such an affinity between the the players right the the Camogues and the hurlers and the men's and ladies footballers so the the kind of difference doesn't seem to be right between between the players like it's it's a bit more splintered and fractured in governing body terms because that's really where the difference the difference is and but there is this common call all of the time for the advancement of women's Gaelic games in the advancement of women's Gaelic games for the Camogie Association and the Ladies Gaelic Football Association to amalgamate. Like, and it's very much easier said than done. So logistically, like, what would actually have to happen? Because we hear that as an excuse trotted out all of the time. Um, you know, oh, sure, just amalgamate. And like, okay, well, what do we actually have to do for that to be the case? Uh, <laughs> how long have you got? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's that's probably you could you couldn't argue it's been the ideal situation. Um, just about I suppose the way that the three associations have come about. Um, Kamogi is over a hundred years in existence at this stage. Yeah. Uh, ladies football's a hell of a lot younger. Um, they obviously have their own structures. Um, I mean, within even Camogie and Ladies Football, there's two different, completely different structures. Um, uh, there's probably some resistance to it happening, um, which is understandable, I suppose, in some ways, um, around sort of like funding and commercial opportunities and I suppose being able to control your own destiny, as it were. Um, but in terms of how it would, would actually happen, obviously it would just would have to be just sitting down, I suppose, and trashing it out. It would, it would take an awful long, I suppose, bit of time to get it to get it all sorted. Um, I mean, I suppose a step back from that, there's an awful lot more that can be done within the existing structures to make cooperation and communication between the three associations and the different um, units within that a hell of a lot better. Um, and that's often, I think, we've sort of found as communications the biggest problem nearly within um, within the three associations and within different different units of it. Um, and I suppose realising, accepting that and acknowledging it um, and maybe who's doing a small bit about that um, would be a start, I suppose, for the minute. Um, yeah, but like, yeah, I think it comes down to the communication you said at the start, like... Slot nail. They sat down, started the year, and and trashed it out, and went through it. Like there needs to be a lot more communication in order for it to be made better. And I think the likes of the double headers and that, if they were all the one, it wouldn't matter. Those fixtures possibly would. But I suppose from a player point of view, the player experience from a ma- from the men to the women is the same. Mm-hmm. But when you get off the field, I suppose it's a whole different minefield, and how to get the two of them to come together is. Is a, it's a challenge in itself. Um, so where to start is another base <laughs> <laughs> is another question, yeah. really. But as Gemma said, if they can keep improving the communications, I know there is talks going on about integration and the one club model and and those things. Like so, there's a lot of challenges, personalities, and and kind of hundred years of history, kind of maybe holding them back at the minute and. Sometimes I think a little bit of the three associations have to let a little bit, you know, let go a little bit of that in order to move forward and make a new history of coming together. And 
some of them find that maybe a little bit harder to let go of than others and so they're the kind of walls and barriers that you have to break down in order to get the three associations to kind of like give a little maybe like maybe behind the scenes it's a little bit of a power struggle and we've built this up and we've built this up so like it, it starts with communication and and it's another one that they kind of have to chip away at and keep working on but the one club model and and it has been spoke about a good a good while but as you say it, it doesn't seem to be pushing down any further in in coming to terms with well how do we put the structure all as one but I suppose there is talks of it there and but I suppose uh, just just packing up on the one club model like it's most commonly seen in universities um it's probably the best example of the GA without a potential like mm. the camogues ladies footballers the hurlers and men's footballers are just all treated equal and it's there's just no difference made between any of them and would that be equal same, funding equal aqua strength yeah. addition programs um coaches facilities whatever else I suppose they get they get looked after these days um within colleges um and at I suppose it's quite commonly accepted I mean even the recognition amongst the players of each other um, that they're all doing the same training that we can see each other's programmes and the amount of training they do in that um, and like in an ideal world you'd want that rolled out across the whole of the GA but it's, it's just going to take an awful lot of I suppose time and and um, thought I suppose to go into it but um, like there's times like if you go back to it there's times you'd nearly think that in some counties that the ladies county teams are nearly the bottom of the pile because the ladies club teams always have their own club facilities so they are going to have a natural affinity with their own club, club people whereas sometimes the ladies county players aren't um, necessarily as well looked after I suppose just because there's not that same natural affinity when they go maybe they don't have a regular pitch or a centre of excellence or whatever it is which is probably surprising if you're on the outside looking in you would think the county players were better looked after than the club players but that's I suppose not always the case either but again that just comes back to communication at the start of the year and at the top level if the two or three chair people can just sit down and agree on a way to look after the collective Gaelic body as it were um, I mean it makes life so much simpler for everybody mm-hmm. Yeah, it's certainly it. There's a, a much wider discussion to be had. I think we'll have to have you back on again to, <laughs> to tackle that, to tackle that topic, uh, topic all, all on its own. Um, so the season may be over, but the All Stars are looming on the on the horizon next month. Kind of the, the a nice way to, to wrap up the season. Um, are you looking forward to the the big night, Kate? We're not going to ask you to predict who's going to win <laughs> Mogi Player of the Year, but uh, best of luck. Thanks. And um, yeah, certainly a, a lot to celebrate from 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 both codes for yeah. the for the season. Um, Gemma, we'll ask you about football. Who do you think is going to take home the the big um, one for football? Ah, well, I think I already said, I think Brady Stark's probably in the, the front run on my head, anyway, for the player of the year. But um, as I mentioned, too, the, the two Neves were probably the surprising omissions. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I always think All Stars are a funny one, how you can pick six or seven players from one team and they made have won matches by a point the whole way through. Like, there's just such a spread. But anyway, I'm sure Dublin will get probably five or six, anyway. And, mm-hmm. Or sorry, Cork will get five or six, anyway, and Dublin will get um, another four or so. Um, it's amazing Mayo. to see the the three like the three for the three nominees for Player of the Year and it, like eleven All Ireland medals in their back pockets uh, and Breed Stack and Breed Corkery are still up there yeah, at the top of their game. Yeah, it's still going. It's, it's incredible. It it's is. Incredible. I'd say Coral probably get her eleventh. Is it eleventh All Star this year too? We're starting. Uh, and Fiona probably is due one at this stage. I would say Fiona McHale. So Mayo make it a couple. 
Um, I would say the Kildare, Mary Hulgreen, Kildare goal goalkeeper have been a good shout as well. Um, but uh, that's, that's beyond that, I suppose. It's near enough. That's the more. But Rick Mogey. <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose Kilkenny will take the majority of them in Cork. Um, outside of that, there'll be a few others, you know, kind of. Could you say <laughs> <laughs> maybe Wexford, um, Galway, Wexford, yeah, and uh, a tip might be able to shout there as well. But yeah, we'd well, have to say like Kilkenny and uh, Cork are going to take the majority of them. And do you know, look at it, it's it's a great way to end the year for a lot of players. Um, you're able to go and kind of you're meeting them off the field and getting to know them and that's kind of the most enjoyable thing about the All-Stars is that it's not like you're so competitive all year and your focus is on winning and beating the other person and where it's it's just a night to go and kind of let the hair down and meet you know players that are striving for the same thing during the year and it's just a great night at the end of the year kind of like a celebration night away from the field and kind of you know that's so like apart from anything else and who wins and, and don't like it is really a great kind of celebration night at the end of the year for a lot of your top players that is alright it's really like a club night out at the yeah. end <laughs> everybody's best friends yeah. <laughs> for, for, for one for one, one night only <laughs> well we Kate especially you we wish you the best of luck uh, and and the best of luck with the, the all-stars um, and we, we look forward to seeing who actually comes away with those we'll judge your predictions harshly um, <laughs> ladies thanks so much for joining us on Fair Game. thank you Many thanks for listening into this episode of Fair Game and special thanks to Kate and Gemma for joining us for what was a great discussion on all of the issues in both ladies football and camogie. Make sure to give us a follow on Twitter at Fair Game Cast where we provide a constant stream of updates on everything that's happening in women's sports both at home and abroad and while you're there make sure to follow the WGPA as well. Their username is at Women's GPA and check out their website WGPA.ie. If you've missed any episodes today, delve into the archive over on castaway.media forward slash fair game. You can also subscribe to Fair Game on iTunes and all other podcasting apps to get each new episode direct to your device upon release. That's it for this episode. We'll talk to you again soon. Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans. 30% of Americans who are planning home improvements of $5,000 or more will pay for those renovations with a high-interest credit card. That may not be a great idea. A better idea may be to take cash out of your home with a Quicken Loans 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. The rate today on our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 4.5%, APR 4.78%. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Rate subject to change. Pay 2% fee to receive this discounted rate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030.